Chapter Sixteen of That Affair at Portstead Manor by Gladys Edson Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Game of Piquet. Mr. Clavering passed a bad half hour in the front room of the cottage, anticipating Thompson's entrance. At length, the blackness outside and the silence, broken only by weird wood noises, so wrought upon his nerves that he resolved to face the terrors of the bog and even Lady Pevensey's raillery rather than remain there alone another moment. But when he stepped outside, leaving the candle burning upon the table in case he should change his mind and retreat, the shadows seemed to press in upon him, and from them he fancied he could see emerging a thin, evil face. "'Meldrum!' he cried despairingly. "'Meldrum!' "'What's up, Clavering? Anything wrong?' called back a familiar, welcome voice, and Lord Meldrum strode out from the trees and hurriedly crossed the clearing." Mr. Clavering's terror vanished at the clasp of Meldrum's firm hand, and he despised himself for a coward. "'I thought I heard you coming,' he said lamely. Meldrum glanced in at the open door of the hut, where the candle glowed feebly. "'So you have been exploring,' he exclaimed, and his voice held a curious note. "'What did you come upon that upset you so, eh?' Uh, "'Upset me so?' stammered Mr. Clavering. I, "'I was not aware—' "'You look as though you had seen a ghost,' said Meldrum briefly. "'But come,' leading the way into the hut. "'Let me help you into your clothes. "'I didn't bother to bring Jenkins.' "'Meldrum,' said Mr. Clavering, "'while his lordship, with well-meaning awkwardness, "'was attempting to play the part of valet, "'I have found out who lives in this hut.' Lord Meldrum twisted a button off the waistcoat he was fastening over Mr. Clavering's plump chest, and muttered an apology. "'Ah, you have. Who is it, old chap?' "'Thompson,' in an accusing tone. "'Thompson?' echoed Meldrum vaguely. "'Yes, Thompson,' repeated Mr. Clavering severely. "'Lady Ursula's butler, who left her on the day Lady Pevensey's necklace was stolen.' Lord Meldrum hurried Mr. Clavering into his swallowtail. "'Oh, yes, Thompson, I remember now. But how do you know that he has been living here?' "'I saw him looking in at the window.' "'But that doesn't prove.' "'It proves it to my satisfaction,' replied Mr. Clavering with finality. "'Meldrum,' he asserted, going straight to the point, "'you came here to meet this man.' Meldrum's face in the candlelight showed consternation, but he recovered himself after a moment. "'My dear fellow, to meet Thompson, the butler?' "'To meet the man calling himself Thompson, the butler. Look here, Clavering, what do you mean by all this?' There was a hint of anger in Meldrum's voice. But Mr. Clavering, once started, would not be daunted. "'Who is this man, Meldrum? I know I have seen him before, and I am equally sure he was no butler then.' Meldrum suddenly placed both hands on Mr. Clavering's shoulders, and looked him straight in the eye. "'Clavering, you are a pretty good detective, after all, but you are up against a blind wall this time. I did come to see Thompson, who is not Thompson, as you have guessed, but why I came and who he is, neither you nor all of Scotland Yard combined will ever make me tell.' "'But don't you see,' persisted Mr. Clavering, "'that if it came to be known that you were connected in any way with a man whose very face reveals his evil character, and who dares not live in the open, you would place yourself under suspicion?' "'I see that perfectly well,' replied Meldrum, unmoved. "'And you are quite right in your estimate of this man's character. "'He is a scoundrelly blackguard, an unhung devil,' he added, "'with a depth of passion that startled Mr. Clavering. "'Come,' he said, struggling to control himself. "'Let us return to the manor.' "'In silence they pursued their way through the woods and across the meadows. "'Arrived in the gardens, Meldrum remarked with a certain boyish wistfulness, "'I should hate to think that all this might break up our friendship, Clavering.' "'It shan't,' declared Mr. Clavering promptly. "'I refuse to believe that you, or Robert either, for that matter, 
were concerned in Lord Portstead's death, and I am going to do my best to prove this. "'You have set yourself a task, old friend,' sighed Meldrum. They were met upon the terrace by Lady Pevensey, who playfully scolded them for being late to dinner. Mr. Clavering blessed his good fortune, and having had opportunity to change his miry clothes, which, by the way, Lord Meldrum was carrying. Lady Pevensey had been unusually gracious to Mr. Clavering since the recovery of her necklace, which she felt was in no small measure due to his efforts. He had been careful to foster this impression. She was still so jubilant over its recovery that the mystery of its theft and inexplicable return troubled her but little. In truth, far less than it did Burton, who evidently saw a close connection between the theft and the murder. "'I am shockingly bored,' she complained to Mr. Clavering, as Lord Meldrum quietly slipped into the manor before she could question him concerning the miry clothes. "'Ursula is completely absorbed in Robert, and Elsie is about as cheerful as an image on a tombstone. Do you think, after you have had dinner, that there would be any harm in a quiet little game of piquet?' Mr. Clavering had private misgivings as to its propriety on the very day following their host's funeral, but to be invited by Lady Pevensey to play piquet was an appreciated and increasingly rare favour, so he assured her that he thought there would be no real harm in it, though it might be considered unconventional, and promised not to be long at dinner. It had often struck him as odd that Lady Pevensey never asked or seemed to expect Mary Grey, her companion, to amuse her. As a matter of fact, they were scarcely ever seen together, Mary Grey being everywhere but with her patroness. Still, he felt that he should be the last one in the world to reprehend, as it gave him added opportunities to enjoy Lady Pevensey's society. "'This seems like old times,' she observed sentimentally, as they sat down later in the music-room, with a little square card-table between them. "'Poor dear Eustace was fairly jealous of our games of piquet.' "'Really, is that a fact?' murmured Mr. Clavering, surprised. He had always held the opinion that the departed Eustace was singularly unappreciative of his wife's charms, and utterly indifferent as to her diversions. "'Oh, Eustace was shrewd. He saw a great deal more than you thought he did,' and Lady Pevensey shook her fan at him with coquettish reproof. He blushed painfully. "'I was not aware that my, uh, attachment, my eminently respectful attachment, was known to Sir Eustace.' Lady Pevensey made a grimace behind her fan. "'Dear Eustace was not greatly worried. On the whole, he was amused. "'Carte blanche!' she cried triumphantly, holding up her cards. "'Score me ten, Mr. Clavering.' He stiffly obeyed. "'Now you are offended with me,' she said pettishly. "'Oh, yes, you are,' as he denied the imputation. "'But really you have made me admire your detective powers. I am sure that the wretch who stole my necklace would never have returned it if he hadn't known that you were on his clue and would have ultimately forced him to. "'That may be so,' conceded Mr. Clavering, relaxing. "'It is your play, Lady Pevensey.' "'Repique,' she murmured absently. "'But that is impossible,' expostulated Mr. Clavering. "'You have just had carte blanche.' Lady Pevensey flung down her cards. "'Oh, well, I am tired of piquet. Count my hand, if you wish.' "'I thought we were going to have an enjoyable game,' remarked Mr. Clavering frigidly. Lady Pevensey made eyes at him over her fan. "'Don't be a grouch, you old dear.' To tell the truth, ever since the will was read, I have been simply consumed with curiosity to know who Mavis Travers is. Robert admits that he doesn't know. I think Ursula does, but I don't dare ask her. You know what she is when she doesn't want to talk. Find out for me, and I'll play piquet with you till the end of time, Archibald. Mr. Clavering unbent again. She had never called him Archibald before. I don't think it would be improper, 
under the circumstances the publicity given the child in the will for me to make a few inquiries he said slowly trying to convince himself of the integrity of his motives he decided however that it would be fairer to make no mention of the mavis he had met until he was sure of her identity lady pevensey caught him up quickly improper quite the reverse i should say are not you and i both old friends of the family and isn't it our duty as such to find out about this child who met so much to portstead that he left the money he should have left to robert why now that you put it that way there's no other way to put it i always suspected that there was some secret in portstead's life i am convinced of it now and this child was the secret why is it that none of us has ever heard of her before i tell you it is unnatural and impossible for a man to be as indifferent all his life to women as portstead professed to be there was a personal rancor in lady pevensey's tone the earl had been at no pains to conceal the contempt he felt for her worldliness my dear lady pevensey ejaculated mr clavering horrified what are you hinting at scandal in high circles of course she answered serenely but what i can understand is how any woman of any condition in life could possibly have been attracted to portstead little as mr clavering had cared for portstead the vulgarity of lady pevensey's suspicions pained him he had always accepted portstead at his own valuation and secretly looked up to him as a superior being and now to have this idol suddenly pulled down to the common level was a decided shock no no he said but weakly i am sure that you are wrong in your suspicions women's intuition rarely fails mine never does returned lady pevensey confidently find out the parentage of this mavis travers and who will be the gainer even indirectly by her being named as portstead's beneficiary and it is my belief you will find the murderer mr clavering stared at her in admiration lady pevensey you are an immensely clever woman he said with conviction flatterer she protested with a flirt of her fan pon my word i mean it lady pevensey toyed a while coquettishly with the fan and then said seriously elsie is breaking her heart over that scapegrace of a robert and i'm rather attached to the silly girl no man is worth breaking one's heart over and if somebody doesn't discover the murderer that burton man will have robert arrested and then elsie will mourn herself sick you're as likely to succeed as anyone i have come to the conclusion that all detectives are fools mr clavering remained a moment in thought this was the second time lady pevensey had paid him an equivocal compliment of this nature am i to understand he inquired at length that you consider me qualified to investigate this matter lady pevensey gave vent to a ripple of very youthful laughter my dear archibald don't you know a compliment when one is paid you remember if you unravel this shocking mystery she used her eyes and her fan as she might have used them thirty years ago i am yours for piquet End of chapter 16